Hey everyone, this is Jed. Welcome back to the Shinfo Desmond podcast. Before we get started, I'm going to play a three-minute song from Prom Queen. If this doesn't interest you, then skip forward and then we'll get started. Yeah. first time I heard that song from Prom Queen was way back in 2002 when it came out on a trial and error compilation, I think. But correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, at the time, there wasn't really anything like it coming from Australia. And, and having both a heavy and melodic screamer was pretty groundbreaking. The same year, I was on an Around Australia bus trip with Pig and Berkey. And we planned to be in Adelaide to watch a show that had Prom Queen, Shot Point, Kill Choir and Stronger Than Hate playing. At the time, that was a huge deal to us and my first time in Adelaide. The show was crazy with huge tattooed dudes moshing and killing each other. And for a scared, sheltered Byron Bay Desmond that had only been going to shows for about two years, it was amazing. Long story short, we ended up meeting Crafter 
about a year later when he was hanging out with this chick that we knew and he came into my pizza shop where I was working and uh, me and Pig were working that night and we were both pretty freaking out. We couldn't believe that Crafter was in our shop. I think I gave him a free pizza and we chatted a bit. And the next day I offered him to come on my fruit run when I was delivering fruit for Bobby and we just drove around delivering veggies and I kept telling him how good my brother's band was and he was just like yeah whatever man I don't really care there's way better bands out there and about a week later he ended up still being in town and coming to the a Byron show and lo and behold Parkway was opening it was their first show ever and if you've watched the DVD then you know what happens next so I don't need to explain that to you and then from there Crafter and I formed a great friendship through lots of write-offs, lots of years of touring. And uh, yeah, we still talk all the time. All right, shut up Desmond. Now's not the time for talking. It's time for another thing. We all know what that is. It's time to mosh. Don't worry, it's only 10 seconds, don't skip it. Mate, well, the first one, you fucking had a trial run and it only lasted five minutes. So we've got about that. as long as you last when you're rude, isn't it? Oh, God. Fucking remember that? <laughs> Straight out the gate. Stuck in a house for a month. Fucking Jesus. It's been rough. Yeah, nah. nah Tinder's not firing, that's for sure. No, I heard a guy in Cairns got fined $1,000 for driving um, to a Tinder date. Yeah, there was a guy in Perth that was on lockdown because he'd come off a fucking cruise ship that snuck out in the middle of the night to go see his missus. So they locked him up and they wouldn't give him bail. No way. They had to do his quarantine in the bloody remand centre in Perth City. Oh, that's Fucking stinks like piss too. So it would be fucking horrible. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll get straight to it. Yeah. Um, I, I started the episode with um, a story of how we first met and how you came into the pizza shop and I gave um, you a free pizza. <laughs> That's the first first memory of you. What were your yeah. thoughts on um, on the Byron crew when you arrived that first day? Well, the the thing was is I knew kind of who you all were because you had gone to Sydney shows and stuff like that. But I was always like, these guys are losers. I'm not going to chat to them. Um, no, it wasn't really like that at all. But I, d- I definitely knew, knew that the scene existed. Um, and the fact that I went there and you and Pig were selling pizzas that were really shit, like fucking shit it, it was shit at the time, but still it was <laughs> a vegetarian <laughs> restaurant. It was pretty ahead it of was, its game. It pretty, the fact that Byron had pretty epic vegetarian stuff, like, 15 plus years ago is fucking 
I, I remember going there just like, holy shit, like this place is actually good. Like compared to most cities being vegetarian or vegan at the time, Byron was definitely kind of ahead because and, of the hippies. And then I remember um, inviting you on my um, fruit and veg run. Do you remember that? Yeah, I um No, I think Heidi had to work. So, um, yeah, she's like, you've got to go to work with my friend because she worked at a cafe. So she sent me on my way with you driving around on a fruit and veg run while all you did was talk about how sick the 30 people that went to the shows were and how good your brother's band was. And I was like, fucking, this is going to be so shit. And, like, at the time, I think, like, in my head, like a show of like 200 people was like massive. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like 20 people at this gig. And there was probably 30. It's pretty, yeah, pretty there, there wasn't right? more than there wasn't more than 50, was there? But no, there probably wouldn't yeah. be more than 50. I reckon 50 would be. And it was the, the ultimate Parkway debut. Yeah. What a time. There's more workers for the band now than there is was it the people at their first show. <laughs> That's yeah. true. So I can't really remember what what happened there to um for it to all kind of kick off. Were you the kind of man that made it all happen? I um I remember I remember I called like Coit or Jonah or someone. I think I called actually. I think I called. Jonah Weber and Coy up fucking straight after each other, and like just like after Parkway had jammed, I was like, "This band's really fucking good." Like I was like, "This is actually a good band," and I was like, "It kind of makes no sense." Like and like in in my head, all I remember is fucking how fucking weird Jeff looked. I was just like, "This guy's a fucking mutant," and he's fully shredded, and his guitar was real high, and it was that fucking golden or whatever that red thing. It was disgusting. And I was like, there's, and all that, all, it, it just, I was like, if they had 5150s or whatever, I think they all had like, like Marshalls with fucking metal zone pedals. So it was something ghastly. And I was like, if this band has good gear, they'll sound fucking psycho. And like, I just remember your brother having an afro and being fucking like, he looked so like he was 12. You came to the jam, didn't you? We were all moshing in the basement. Yeah, was, yeah that's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're like, you're on your, you're, you're on your work run. We're on your work run, and for some reason, you're like, we've got to go to band practice. So we went to band practice, and then you fucking went back to work after. <laughs> and I think you left me with with everyone. We're fucking considering it, fifteen plus years ago, we still got a pretty good memory. Yeah, that's it was. True. It was, it was like sixteen years ago. Sixteen. Like it was, or whatever, it was 2003. Mm. Like that's that psycho, 16, 17 years ago. Like that, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel really old now. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm pretty sure you insisted that Parkway went on the Prom Queen tour, right? Like a few weeks later or no, something? We didn't, we didn't have a tour. We, I, I was like, oh, we, we were like kind of torn because we didn't have enough songs for an album. And we're like, what are we going to fucking do? So I was like, let's just do a split with this band because like, we didn't like anyone. Like, oh, there, was, there was really like no one else that was like that good and no one else doing similar to kind of we were. We were kind of transitioning from that like 
heavily poison the well influenced stuff to more that like American metalcore, European metalcore kind of stuff. Like I, I remember at the time we were listening to heaps more European shit and like we were like, oh, if we did this and this and tried to sound like this. And I think like the one of the songs on it was it was kind of like we, we were kind of trying to bridge the gap between what the band was and what was kind of next. And that's why doing a split at the time was good because we didn't have to rush into the um, studio and do a full album and because we didn't have enough songs and because we didn't fucking, like, we were bloody early 20s. We had no idea how to write songs. Like, mm. And so I was like, okay, I remember sitting there and Parkway, I was like, okay, they're like, yep, we're going to go to the studio and fucking thing. And they'd found like some Darren that was out in the fucking bush that had a bloody bloody recording studio and I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking disastrous. And then they, I was kept on going, okay, like every day I was like, fuck, if they send something bad, I'm going to fucking thrown under the bus here like everyone's gonna give me shit and then they sent it i was like this is actually really fucking good and then like if it's still not like both the recordings aren't that fucking good for the like now but back then we're like this is fucking sick um and then 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 we booked the tour around that cd so we'd already come to byron and stuff yeah that was before the evergreen tour wasn't it yeah, yeah, we'd we'd come. Us and Shotpoint came to Byron and the Queensland and stuff. Oh, that's right. Or on the floor tour. June, yeah, June or July of that year. I've, I've still got the flyer. Um, yeah. The and then then us and Parkway went out. So like it, it must have been released shortly after that. But we were touring off of like fucking the, the EP, I guess. Mm. Must have been. And I remember like going and like we went to Sydney, us and Shot Point, and it was like we'd done like hardcore and stuff there. So we like thought people were going to care. And we went to Sydney and it was like fucking 80 payers. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, what are we doing here? And then we went to Brizzy and it was like packed. We're like Brisbane on a Wednesday. We're in like the North Coast fucking Mary Street days existed and the place was like... 300 people and we're like we're huge and then you like Miami Shark Bar and then Byron and then after that like when I remember us and Parkway went out on that first tour and we didn't even book Sydney we didn't even bother because we're like Mm, everyone skipped it for years yeah we fucking had to because it was ghastly and Graz was 100% in my ear going nah this this bloody metal stuff's never going to do good in Sydney he hundred percent said it more on multiple occasions, and you can imagine how he said it too. Yeah, <laughs> he was hundred percent sure of himself too. It was great, and then now, yeah, he blew he's it on still that managing one, park, booking Parkway or whatever he does, he releases Parkway, and then it's probably fucking it changed his. It's crazy, like the the fact that the metalcore thing, which everyone didn't think was going to do well changed mm. the entire landscape of heavy music. It changed the landscape mm. of music in general in Australia because there was, like, no bands were getting anything. And, like, I remember when Blunt put Prom Queen on the free CD that was on the front and, like, the amount of more people came to shows. Like, I guess magazines and shit actually had a, served a purpose back then. So um, Prom Queen had a pretty huge rise and possibly fall. Would you say that was true? 
hundred percent, probably the biggest. But I think it's all all self implosion. I think that the, the the reasons are is because we're fucking we we fucked it, and egos and whatnot got in the way. Like, yeah, it's it, it was it, it was fucking inevitable that it was going to happen because we're all such pretty strong minded humans, but we're all on different pages. And that's I don't know. I think if you fucking had put fame and music and egos and everything all into one fucking tour tour van that doesn't really see anyone else other than yeah, each other. Well, I mean, no one had any idea that like you could make it from music at that point. It was just kind of all a shock to everyone's system, wasn't it? Fuck no, we're like- all on Centrelink. Well, all I remember at one point, us and Parkway, well, I had this idea where we were going to do a tour called the Work for the Doll Tour. And we got warned by Centrelink that we couldn't do it. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how. But for some way, someone said, it was probably like, I'm pretty sure like I was saying it to like the fucking, my case manager at Centrelink and like giving him, all my tour dates and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, we're going to do it called the Work for the Doll Tour. And he's like, yeah, no, nah, mate, you, you'll fucking all get sacked and you'll all be paying you, paying back money for years. I remember a few tours that we had to stop off at local Centrelink offices and a few dudes had to put in their forms. And they were like, well, why yeah. are you in Melbourne? You're like, oh, we're just we're coming down here to try and find some work and make up an excuse. Yeah. That was, man, I, I swear... Before every tour, we'd be like out the front, out the front of Centrelink, waiting for someone to come out that had like a job into a job seeker interview or fucking put in a form or something like that. It was like every fucking tour, we're like last minute, we're leaving late. Joan will be piss farting around as per usual, and we'd have to go to Centrelink and be sitting in the car park for two hours before we got a like ten hour drive ahead of us or something. Yeah, fully. Holy fuck. It was literally like I remember we would go get those five hundred dollar Centrelink loans. Like whoever was in 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 the fucking turn to have it, because you only get one a year or fucking a couple a year, and we'd just get them and then we'd spend it all on petrol or like on merch or something like that. Like Centrelink was fucking funding touring for a lot of bands. And you guys toured nonstop back in those days too, didn't you? You seemed like you're in Byron every second week or something. Yeah, but I think it was also a case that I would just be there because I was fucking sick of being in Adelaide or maybe I'd moved to Melbourne and I was like, it was always more shit going on. We'd always just be hanging out and like, so I pretty much lived between like your parents' house, your fucking Northwind house and um, Winston and Oscar's parents' house. Yeah. Just sleeping on the couch or sleeping on in the spare rooms for Probably from like 2003 till 2010. <laughs> like, <laughs> they really were crazy times. I can't believe we got away with some of the shit we did. Oh, fucking. I just remember being on tour and like the first tour, like Parkway just throwing shit and fucking pissing out the windows and like just going to the beach and just getting fucking someone pissing on me. Like it was feral. And I was like, I mean, I remember like when international bands would come, and I'd just be like, oh, "Hopefully they don't do what they're gonna do." Like, and then Gaz would just walk up and piss on someone's back that he doesn't even know. I was like, it was just like the worst surf feral culture in a band that actually was having success. Like, it was crazy. 
So, um, I guess after Prom Queen, you um, ended in a pretty bad way and then ended up in the America. Is that kind of the timeline that it went on? Um, I think, like, the, the Prom Queen issue started when we were recording and I just I wasn't on the same page as them. I didn't even want to be there. Like, I, I fucking hated it. I just had, like, I had major writer's block and I just didn't think that what I, – I, I think now if, like, You'd, if, if I didn't take it for granted as much as I was and I, if I wasn't having as many issues with everyone as I was, it would probably be a different yeah. fucking thing. But I remember when we went to America, came back, and then I came on the Boys of Summer Tour with Parkway. It was something like that, like one of those tours, and it was a summer That's tour. Right. And maybe, maybe it was down in Evergreen or something like that. Yeah. And then I remember we were... Prom Queen did a show in Adelaide that was like psycho. It was like in a small venue, but it was psycho. And then the next day I got an email saying, you're out of the band. And I was like, wow. And I was like, oh, well, you know, like at some at, at some point, like I I think I was talking to Pig or talking to Winnow or someone, and I was like, man, I just don't want to be in this band anymore. And they were like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, And then I remember calling everyone in Byron. I think I came up to Byron and, after that, and then, then me and Marty were talking, and Marty's like, "Why don't you sing for Carpathian?" And I was like, "Well, that makes it kind of makes no sense, but at the same time, well, if you want to play guitar, I'll sing." And then, yeah. then that kind of happened. So it, it didn't really make any sense that. to why why Marty wanted to fucking start playing guitar. But I know Anthony just quit, and Marty's like, "I'll play guitar," and then. Then that just kind of like, Carpathian just was like, just released that Nothing Loose City. And then we were, by the time, by the time the, like, I'd sung, we, we were pretty much just out headlining. And, like, it was, like, crazy too because we were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be shit and, like, no one's going to come in Canberra and fucking 300 people would show. And it's, like, Thursday in Brisbane and we're like, no one's going to come. We're playing the Brisbane Uni and, like, 800 people came and we're just like what the fuck like playing sydney and it was just like six seven hundred people like every fucking show we're just like what like i remember we were doing like we do like somerville or we do like mount eliza or one of those things and there'd just be fucking hundreds upon hundreds of kids would come yeah that was the peak for sure oh six oh seven absolutely absolutely retards in a band like it was just like fully we had no like no real like guidance or anything. We just and now everyone was pretty young. Me and Scam were kind of the oldest dudes. Marty was a couple of years younger, and I think everyone else was a couple of years younger. And then um, yeah, and then I think we went out went out a couple of Parkway tours. We we're meant to. It's crazy because Carpathian were booked with a prom queen tour. And when I joined, man, Scan, like, had a chat and we're like, let's sack the tour. So, like, two weeks before the tour, we canned it and said we're not, we're not fucking doing it. And then we fired Bronwyn at the same time because wow. we're like, we thought it was, like, um, too close to everything. We're like, let's just do our own thing and we won't have to pay anyone and we'll get Graz to book stuff and go back to basics. And then I don't know. Can can you remember why you didn't come to um? 
to Europe with when Parkway did the Unbroken Wings tour and Carpathian was on that? Yeah, I just joined Bury Your Dead. Right, so that's just as you did it, right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah all man. Come, and yeah. all that. And um, I, I was at the – we were at – me and we know were sitting in one of the rooms upstairs at his parents' house and he's like, oh, Bury Your Dead – like Matt Bruso just quit bury your dead or something like well typical dorks looking at lamb goat and bloody news websites and like he's like that's fucking crazy blah blah and they were doing like really well at the time and it was kind of like the band that we all listened to and we all really sweated like there was a handful of bands at the time which we were kind of all listening to and handfuls of CDs and that was definitely one of them I feel like that Hatebreed, the hate, anything from Hatebreed at the time. Like any time we'd train, I felt like downstairs at your parents' house, like when Gaz would put something on, it was most of the time it was Bury Your Dead or Hatebreed yeah. or something like that. It I was like the ultimate gym. No, you weren't training, you were eating. Um, but then I, I don't know, I just had this fucking weird feeling about it. And I was like, I'm going to get a message or I'm going to get an email. I don't know why. For some reason, I was like, for some reason, I just thought it. And Bubble sent me an email and he's like, oh, my friend Chris, like, which is Chris Towning and who is now married to our friend Carly, um, Towning for some reason told Bubble about me. And then Bubble's like, well, Prom Queen was like kind of becoming like a MySpace kind of band. People knew who I was. I toured pretty extensively. And I had a voice, I had a heavy voice and did similar kinds of bands. And then so he's like, send me a demo. And then so I sent this demo. And like what's crazy is now I start finding out like people that tried out and it's like crazy. Like even the other day, um, Chad from For the Fallen Dreams said he'd sent a demo in. I was like, holy shit. Like so some dudes in some pretty good bands were sending stuff in. and um, the so I sent mine and stuff, and then I remember I was in Perth on tour with Carpathian, and Bubble sent me an email. He's like, "Hey, can you give me a call?" And so I walked from Maud's house to the payphone down the street because they didn't want anyone to hear. And then I called, and he's like, "When can you get here?" And I was like, "Fuck, um, well, I'm on tour, and I just got to get rid of it, like get these last dates and." I think we had like Perth and Melbourne and stuff. And so I went back and I sat down with Scan. I was like, I'm going to go. And he's like, what? And so we had this chat and then I kind of everyone kind of, we had this fucking big talk and stuff. And then I think by like, I think the next weekend we might have done Melbourne. And then by the following week I was like out of here and I was moved, moved myself to Florida. So it was, what a charge. yeah, it was weird, man. It was fucking strange. Like now, I think about it, and like I'm like at the time, like the period it was massive. It was like at their peak, and I'm like fucking this absolute retard of a fucking bogan from the country, just like growing in the upper deep end. Well, like I remember I'd say shit on stage, and people looked at me shocked, like because they couldn't understand me. I'd just use the word cunt and stuff like that, and Americans don't use cunt. Like not like we do. We throw it, throw it around like it's not. They say cunt there and everyone's like, whoa, hang on. It's the C-bomb. <laughs> like freaking out. So I don't know. And then 
how'd it, it just go? Didn't work out. The shows were sick. It just didn't work out. Eric, Eric, the guitarist, was a fucking crazy narcissist, and like he just, just it did my head in every day. And then there was dramas and there was fights and fucking man, yeah, it was we fucking yeah. we all had to deal with. Like it was, there was guns, there was fucking you name it. Like we've seen some of the craziest shit we've ever seen in our lives in that small period of time. It's crazy and, how different hardcore scene was over there at that time. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. Everyone was a thug and a tough guy. I remember we played. We were like playing. Like the fucking van was just full of guns, and they'd check, like they'd check their fucking carry permit fucking things every day to see if they could carry guns in the areas we were. <laughs> like, it's pretty fucking gnarly. I'm like, I, I, I said it to Bubble before. I was like, man. This was some serious shit. Like when you the, the most guns you've ever seen are like guns on a farm. Like you've seen people who like lived on farms and shit over my yeah, life. Yeah, he probably should have warned you about that before you came well, over and joined. I, yeah, I know. I was like fucking first night I get there, they fucking all get out of the car at the airport and they fucking go to the house and they all start pulling guns out the backs of their pants. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> well, you pick me up from the airport. What are you going to do? A drive by on the way? <laughs> like, so, but that, that that just didn't work out. Like I remember, I, I just missed home, and it just it just didn't feel right. I felt like I was singing for a cover band. It didn't feel at any point that it was my band. I just felt like I was singing someone else's words to someone else's crowd, you know. Yeah. And that that's just that's just the reality reality of it when. Back home, I kind of felt like there there was a, always a following. So different, different vibe. Yeah, no, it was a good choice. You didn't stick around for that. Who knows what would have happened? No, I probably would have. And they went on a downward spiral pretty quick after that too, didn't they? Yeah, well, I think they tried other things that didn't really work out. Like, I think Slim's one of the best guitarists ever. Like, as far as style goes, like. He invented a style. Like Parkway ripped it off, Bring Me ripped it off, Architects and stuff have ripped it off. Like that, like, and, and it's, it's, and Slim probably ripped it off of Meshuggah or Meshuggah or however you say it. Like he, he probably ripped it off of someone else. Like there, there was bands like Blood Has Been Shed that were doing similar and Slim was in Blood Has Been Shed at one stage as well. There was just that open string way of playing. It was nearly like it was like, there's a, kind of like Seven Dust or something like that. And then, like, Bring Me had a full CD of stuff sounding like it and Parkway had, like, Dead Mans and stuff like that which sounded like it. He he, he, he was the reason why that all happened because everyone was so influenced by that Beauty and the Breakdown CD. Yeah. That was fucking epic for the time. Holy shit. Yeah. Fucking, I listened the other day. It was still sick. So then what happened? Um... I think, fuck, I came home and I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to fucking do anything and I'm, I'm going to just, yeah, fuck bands. Like I, had, I got a job. I think like Jadon that owns Unify like, and whatever else, I think he gave me a job. Like, and he was Prom Queen's manager at one stage as well. So he gave me a job. Like, I can't even remember. Him and Ben Turnbull gave me a job like in – in the office doing Kill Your Stereo and a few other things around the office and I was real, real, real shit at working, so that didn't really last. 
<laughs> and then um, fucking, I think at that point, me and Jonah had already started talking about doing a prom queen tour. And we were like, I think we even when I was in America, because on the last days when I was in the States, I went and spent time with Jonah. Like he picked me up from the final Bury Your Dead show and shit because the last Bury Your Dead show I did was at the Whiskey in bloody uh, Holly, in Hollywood. Um, right. So it was kind of cool because it's like iconic venue, you know. Um, and so Jonah picked me up and we hadn't really seen each other in fucking ages. So we were kind of like, oh, imagine if we did a prom tour at some stage and he was doing Bleeding Through and then then kind of like we – it all kind of started to materialise in the space of probably six months and then and then that happened. But at the same time, I remember I was I went to a Frenzel show and Stu Harvey's like, fucking Big Brother's going to let people come on if they do an audition video and they get internet voted. You should do it. And I was like, okay. So I went home, made a video that took me three minutes Talked about how I knew how I was in all these bands and I knew Winston and I'm going to win because I've got more followers on the internet. It's just like the dumbest, most shittest thing with my webcam ever. And then I put it up and then fucking like uh, by, by the next week I was getting messages from Big Brother, like getting phone calls and shit going, yeah, you're going to have to come in and stuff like that. And I was like, fuck, I've got a tour. Like I think by that stage the tour had been – we had the dates and shit, and I was like, this is all going to be at the same time. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. And then um, kind of kept everyone in the loop. I was like, man, I could get on the show. And then it kind of started to get more and more reality when I went to, like, I went to this fucking big audition thing and everyone's fucking 200 cunts in this room. And they're like, they only got a few people up to talk in front of everyone to see what you talk like in front of everyone. And I was like, well... I'm already going to get on the show because clearly I've got more fucking votes than all of you people do. You know? And I was like, I don't really need to explain myself. I don't really need to say who I am. I was like, but you can give me a call when you need me to walk into the house. And I walked out the room. And like, I was just so arrogant. It was fucking – because that's what I was like, yeah, kind of had to be because you had to be so confident. Otherwise, they don't have to be on TV. So I walked out of the room. And then they put me into this fucking thing with all these panellists. And the, I was like, they, they were trying to like fucking grill me. And I'm like, oh, so are you? I was like, yeah, I haven't haven't drunk or I haven't done drugs since I was um, 17. And they're like, this this old dude was like, I, don't, I find that a lie. Look at you, you've got tattoos and this, this, and this. And I was like, he goes, I think you're lying. And I was like, are you religious? And he's like, what's that mean? And I was like, yeah, Christian or Catholic? He goes, yeah, I'm Christian. I go. Been lying to yourself your whole fucking life. I was like, God isn't God. I was like, God or Jesus isn't real, mate. Stop fucking lying to yourself. And all the other people just started laughing, and they're just like, Holy shit! So then, um, they then that stage, like, so everyone else had to go through all these processes. By that stage, I didn't get a call for like two weeks, and they called me like, You're gonna have to come do photo shoots. And I'm like, I'm in. Like, I'm fucking. If I'm doing photo shoots, I'm in, in, on this job. So then. I've gone and I'm like, oh, so you know, I've got to go on tour. I don't think I can go into the house. I was pretty much just getting free flights and like going to stay in hotels for like every time they made me go do some kind of obligation. I was like, oh, I'll just ride this out till till the fucking wheels fall off. And then um, they, 
they took me in and then, yeah, they were chatting to me and I was like, they're like, well, how about we do this? Like you're a MySpace celebrity and you fucking can only come in as an intruder because you've got to go on tour and you've only got this short window of like a week where you can even be in the house. And then, yeah, and then like we'll just we'll just do that. And I remember I flew to me and, me and the girlfriend at the time flew to Gold Coast, put us in a hotel for like 10 days of lockdown. So like all this lockdowns like nothing. I was stuck in a Gold Coast hotel with no internet and no TV for 10 days to check it, like to see if you can handle it. So then from there, I, I was like the Sunday and no one had said anything to me and they come in and they're like, you got to get dressed. And I was like, why? And they're like, you're going in. And I was like, well, oh, shit. And then so I got dressed and stuff and then they put me in a car and next minute I'm in the fucking house. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this is bizarre. So that that was like, I think it was like five days in there. So it was something like that, five days. And then they were like, oh, you've got to get voted. I, I sat, I went into the, the Big Brother people, the diary room, and I thought, I've got to get out tomorrow. I've like, it's, I think this was the Monday, is the Sunday, or maybe the Monday, and I was like Tuesday, and then tour was starting like fucking, I think the Friday, <laughs> like, like maybe, 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 yeah, I think, I think it was, man, or like, it was definitely, or maybe it was the following week, but I know it was really fucking close, and I think like I got out, yeah, it was the following week, so I got out, and then flew got out, stayed in the hotel for the night, got flown back to Melbourne, went to band practice, and then we went to Adelaide. Like, and then we started the final tour, apparently. Yeah, and that was that was the final 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 tour. So, and so, like, not only was I, like, having to do fucking prom interviews and fucking signings and all this crazy shit because the tour was fucking massive. I was doing Big Brother shit as well. I was meant to do like nightclub appearances and all sorts. I didn't do any of them. I did a couple, did like a fucking couple of like TV week interviews and a few interviews in magazines and stuff, but that was about it. Fuck. But like, you were a huge celebrity back then. Oh, I don't think I was, but I think everyone just perceived it as, oh, I'm like, like if anyone knows me, they know I'm just a goddamn idiot that somehow always falls on my feet. Like, doesn't matter what happens. Like I always somehow work out what's next after because I don't let myself get down to the point where like everyone, like everyone gets sad and everyone gets has like depressed, like gets depressed and stuff like that. I don't let it get to me. Like I definitely suffer from depression and stuff because of the just the stuff that's happened with my family and stuff. But at the same time, you can only let it get you down so much because if you don't get into the positive mindset to work out what's next, you're going to be stuck in a fucking rut. And so, like, if I was in fucking, when when I got kicked out of prom queen, if I just sat at my parents' house in Aldenga and just sooked for fucking months, nothing else would have happened. But then the Carpathian thing happened, then the Very Dead thing happened, then the prom queen final tour thing happened, and Big Brother happened, and then it went from there. Wait, Cupcake, shut up, dickhead. That's the galah. Um, the, the, and then, so if, if I just like let everything get to me, I would have just been a fucking depressed, depressed mess, but you kind of just got to keep motivated and work out what's next and where you got to get to, because otherwise you'd be fucking, 
you just do nothing. That's why right now, while we're stuck in this lockdown situation, I feel like I have no purpose because I can't really make plans. Mm. Like I have all these plans and I have all this business shit and I have all this stuff going on, but we're stuck. So what can you do? You just work out what's next on TV or Netflix and fucking yeah, do But then, I don't know, after that, fucking what else? Well, I'm pretty sure there was a slight break for a while and then Prom Queen definitely was like, we're over. And then you were like, oh, I'm fucking bored. Let's start another band. Yeah, well, it never actually started as a band. It was me and Dan were like, at first actually, when I first started Confession or whatever it was going to be called, it was me and Luke that played in Sunk Loto. So I don't, a lot of people don't know this. Luke came down from the Gold Coast because like we'd played with Sunk Lotto before and um and so we, we and we're kind of like into similar shit. Like he was into heavy stuff and so he came down and we jammed and we wrote and whatnot, but it just it wasn't what I wanted. It sounded like fucking Poison the Well, Tear from the Red or one of those like kind of things. I was like, I've already done this. I've already done the Poison the Well sounding sounding stuff with Prom Queen's early stuff. I don't need to go back there. So I, I had this idea I wanted just to sound like Bury Your Dead or like Carpathian or Hatebreed or something like that. And then me and Dan started talking and Dan was doing 50 lines at the time and then we just started fiddling with songs. So then we came up with that Hardest Fight song, which um, the ghost inside ripped off. <laughs> Controversial, that one. But I think they, 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 admit, they admit that it was uh, the parts were taken. So I don't – I think uh, I think they've come to grips with that. that Everyone's parts taken were... parts from other songs, surely. Oh, man, it's pretty. It's a pretty big rip-off, but it is what it is. I love I love the Ghost Inside. They're one of the best bands, best bands around. Everyone, and to be honest, how many times have me and Dan would listen to some Parkway bits and be like, "Yep, nothing like that." Or we can do something, some T-shirt line over the top. But yeah, so we just started recording at my house, and then we just kind of. We're like, oh well, if we can get on tours, we get on tours, and we did. We just started we getting got on, on sweat, sweat fest. Yeah, I know. We got on everything. We we're fucking on tour all the time, and like Parkway took us out like five times, maybe more. And then, yeah, like Sweat Fest was like first shows, like five thousand people or something. Like we probably played to a half full fucking thing, but it was like a sea of people. And then we, we were like, wasn't it? Yeah, River Stage. Yeah, and then so then that kind of started that off, and then yeah, we just trucked along, you know. It, it like Confession was one of those things where we never killed it. Like we never were like a big band, but we did good. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have this intention of being a big band. We just had the intention of, oh well, we got nothing else going on. Might as well do this for a bit and see where it goes. And that's. That's kind of how, that's how I see it now. Like yeah, the fact sure. it broke up, and then to be able to do shows every now and again, it's fun. I don't want to tour. I don't want to be. I have more the mindset of I had at the start now than I did back then. I had the mindset of no, I don't want to tour. I don't want to tour. And then touring just kind of happened. But now I'm like, I definitely don't want to tour. Yeah, like you couldn't think of anything worse than being stuck in a van. But People love it, and 
it'd be all right if I was touring in a bus. Sure, if like it was as easy as what um, some big bands have it, then it probably wouldn't be as much of a daunting stress. But early mornings, flights, fucking buses, fucking being sick, like fucking no, I'll be all right. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> I gave it up, but. The alternative isn't much better, so it's hard to know what's the best choice. No, well, you're employed now. All of us that were like kind of doing pretty well with different stuff, we're all back on selling. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the next, the next phase of your life happened. Um, I think the next phase is Kennedy. I think mm. that's really the biggest phase. Not phase, but the biggest impact. Um, yeah, not I met I met Kennedy's mum via Facebook. She had a bikini on, so I added her. Um, and then that, then where she she Candice played really hard to get, so kind of just made me want her more. So then it was like she came to Melbourne a bunch of times, and then we. We, we were like, okay, we're going to date, you know, like one of us going to have to move. We'll just move to the Gold Coast. And then um, we went out on the Euro Parkway tour. Were you on that tour? No, I'd already been fired for the seventh time. Okay, so you've been fired at that point. Web, I think Webbs was on that tour. Um, and so I just started dating Candice. And then when I moved home, when we came home, it was like, so a Parkway Euro tour, then a another parkway australian tour so like oh no hang on no i've got it wrong other way around we went out and recorded the long way home okay so we went out and recorded the long way home in sweden this is while i was away actually then we went out on tour with raised fist which was sick because raised fist was one of my favorite bands growing up and probably the gateway band from punk to hardcore for every one of us all but without a doubt like Without a doubt, like everyone I know, Raised Fist was that gateway band because we're all into Burning Heart Punk and all those record labels. And then it went like that came out and we're like, holy shit. Um, so we went out with them and then we went out on tour in Australia with Parkway. So once that Parkway tour finished, we, me and Candice were like in Perth um, and she's like, I'm, I'm not feeling well. And then... I was like, oh, maybe you're pregnant, like joking around, and she was pregnant. So we were like, well, we're both legends. We both will be good parents, regardless if we stay together or not. And we, yeah, now have an eight-year-old legend of a kid, does my head in most of the time, but super cruisy, does whatever, like, like I do, I just, she just is my, like, full-blown sidekick, just comes to work with me, hangs out with me, we do everything together. She's with me majority of the time. Like me and Candice do very well co-parenting um, and we juggle very well. Like we definitely help each other out as much as we can because you kind of have to. Um, and we, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of like as soon as, as soon as Kiki was born, that's when all the music shit kind of seemed kind of irrelevant and I didn't really feel like I needed it. Like it was there for the sake of, it paid a few bills and stuff like that, but it already kind of started putting in place other stuff like the screen printing and stuff like that. Like I started to think about outside the box on what was going to be next and I just kind of kept adding to the adding to it all. And then 
when confession I one day I, we went to China to a China and I was like yeah I've had enough like after that I was like yeah I'm done like I've toured the states I've toured fucking Japan Europe UK all of Asia China I'm like what else do I need you know like I've been majority of the places no one else will get to see in their lives and I've to go to them multiple times. So what can you, like, what more do you need? You know, like if it's if it's not financially gonna um, change your life, well, it's time to move yourself along a bit. So that's when all the other business shit kind of started to steamroll. Yeah, you've so, done pretty well setting yourself up in Perth. No one saw that one coming. Yeah, well, I kind of had to because Canna said to me at the time when we split up, like. To move back to Melbourne and we'll try and make this work. And as far as like UC and Kennedy and you can have her at school holidays, I was like, what are you talking about, man? I'm not, I'm not moving. Like, I'll just work this out. So then I lived with a bunch of friends. Like, I, I got, to be honest, I got fucking real bad for a bit. Like, I was living on my mate's floor in his lounge room on a mattress. Um, this mate of mine, Rob, who um, he, He's still a good, real good mate of mine, but like when when I was doing that, like I had fuck all money, and then I lived at my mate Michael's for a bit, like in his spare room. But I didn't have anything, like everything I got. Candace kept everything because I was like, just take it all, start again. And then, um, so then I was like, I had knee surgery, and my dad died and stuff like that. So I was pretty fucking depressed. Like I was in a fucking tiny bedroom in bloody. And not really working because I couldn't. And when I did work, my knee got infected and I ended up in bloody hospital for another week with this crazy infection after the surgery. So then I was pretty fucking bad. Like I was mentally fucking pretty ruined. And confession was still like doing stuff. We still had some shit coming up and that. But it wasn't like, it, it wasn't enough to get me excited. Like I wasn't like, oh, I want to... um. I want to keep doing this. I want to go on big tours. I think we did Parkway's 10-year anniversary around the same time and um, uh, maybe, yeah, we did Soundwaves and, and Warp Tour and shit in Australia. So it was still cool stuff. But then it kind of got to the point where I was like full-blown like crossroad where I needed to work out what was next. And that's why I was like if I just do a final confession tour, then I've got no choice but to work out what's next. And that's why when it finished, me and my fucking business partner, who's one of, one of my closest mates, we sat down and we're like, hey, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Where are we going to do it? We knew what we wanted and we knew how we wanted to do it. And we we bought something, like, well, we bought a tattoo shop off someone that didn't really work out with Westfield. So they tried to renege on the contracts and we got a big payout from them and, then we did the the main shop, and I already had the idea of calling against the grain because of the bad religion song. And then, um, so then I just started kind of doing shit and working out how to do it. And I started messaging my mates who were tattooists and found barbers and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it was like, what was a fucking shitty looking building was now like what I wanted. It was all the old bricks and polished concrete floors and all old wood and the real industrial kind of look that I've kind of envisioned from the get-go of what I wanted a shop to look like. And then that kind of just took off. It 
it it it until recently <laughs> until Corona. But like it, it, it does well, and I, all my mates work there. Like I fucking go to work, and I enjoy going to see them all. I miss like I miss them like crazy because I I'm so used to seeing them every day. And then then when that kind of was doing well, I was like, well, we're probably at the point where we can do a second shot because I had that many people messaging me about positions and wanting to come work for the business and stuff like that. And so we went ahead and did did the second one. So like we've got we've got massive plans like this like we we want to like the my my end goal is to try and own these shops a venue with a similar name and stuff like that like I want to own a venue like I want to go back to being able to do music shit and have used what started from music because the money that I started with all came from the Conf- confession final tour. And then it'll be everything gets reinvested because you can't you got to keep investing to to make guests be more successful. And I, I think people people kind of get to a point where they get like complacent. They're like, okay, I've got enough money to live. It's not necessarily even about money. Like it's not about money at all. It's about keeping my mind active enough and then working out what I want to do next. Like even in this time off. I've pretty much spent the majority of time looking at watching tutorials on marketing, online marketing, graphic design, like stuff like that. Because unless I'm keeping my mind bloody going, I'll I'll just start fucking having all sorts of weird theories and start getting caught up in conspiracy theories on bloody YouTube and all sorts and think the world's going to bloody come to an end. So it's better than doing productive stuff rather than just piss farting around and, um, doing fuck all. So I'm actually yeah. trying to use this time. So then when we do reopen, which I think WA will be reopened a lot sooner than people are expecting because the, the numbers are so down. But then so we're just all, all cylinders firing again and back to business because there's 17 workers sitting around at home right now. It's fucking – it's a lot of people to, to kind of like – I kind of feel like the brunt of it because I'm like – I feel like – not that I let them down, but I feel like I'm the one providing the place the, the place for them to work and none of them can work at the moment. And I know the virus is the problem and there's nothing nothing we can do because the government's got the restrictions in. But at the same time, you you want to be sure that your workers are good, like they're, they're able to put food on their table. And that's why, like, I have – I, like, I'm, I'm – I, I applied for Centrelink and stuff because if it pays my food bills and whatnot, then good. But I posted online saying if any of my mates are struggling and can't feed their fucking kids or something, message me. I'll fucking drop round 10 packs of megaring or drop round bloody two-minute noodles or whatever, you know. Like I, I am one of those people that because of being in a band, you learn how to live off fucking nothing. And you, you know as well from touring, we lived off two-minute noodles and megaring and fucking whatever else for ages because we didn't have any cash. So I can go back to that quite easily. Like I swear that fucking when you lived in Northwind, 95% of the household lived on toast. Like potato bake. Yeah, potato bake and toast. Like I'm pretty sure Paul Bird only ate toast and that was it. Um, And because you, you, you kind of get used to that kind of life. So then if it comes back, you're not in complete utter shock. Yeah, I like being able to go for nice dinners and 
Uber Eats and all that other shit. But fuck, if I've got to live off like any two-minute noodles for bloody three months, and so be it. I'm not going to die. I didn't die the first time. So it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a shock, but I would rather be sure that everyone around me is actually still doing all right. So, yeah, still, I think... Still yeah. on the virus, do you think this is going to become the new norm? Like shit like this is just going to happen all the time? If everyone stops fucking eating shit from live markets and bloody people have to look at the fact that swine flu came from the bloody pigs, bird flu came from the chickens, fucking SARS-1 came from bloody cats and bats, like uh, bats getting eaten by cats and then passed on to humans. So this is SARS-2, which is they say from bats to those uh, pangolins or whatever. And then they were eaten, and that's how it's come across. Or it was from person to animal to person from the live markets. But people aren't going to fucking say this because they're like, oh, that's racist. No, it's not because the reality is is there's animal cruelty going down and it's causing these viruses to exist. Unless it's the fucking Chinese government or the American government or bloody governments trying to bloody pull off half the world, which is a crazy conspiracy theory. I think the, the, the main thing is fucking if we stop fucking eating shit we shouldn't, then we're probably not going to be like no one's getting a fucking virus off eating a potato, like, unless it's a pretty mouldy potato. But like, you know, like there's all sorts of shit going on that's clearly unethical, but people sit on the fence nowadays and they won't even say it because they're scared of getting called a racist or whatever. No, you're not being a racist. You're speaking up against animal cruelty or whatever, whether it be this country, that country or whatever, every country's as fucked as each other. Like it's can't be you can't be upset that fucking they're doing it one way and when Melbourne Markets is doing it another way, which is just different animals. It's still fucking cruelty. So there's my fucking vegetarian rant for the fucking day. You vego slash vegan these days. Um I only eat dairy if I have pizza. Because like Vegan cheese sucks. It does. So if, if I go out and eat pizza and, like, I'm at somewhere, I'll just get fucking cheese. But I don't eat dairy otherwise. It's fucking shit house. So it makes me feel sick. So I, I'm back to being pretty pretty plant-based. I wouldn't eat meat. Like, I, if, man, like, in the, in the future, I'd probably, like, maybe eat fish if I caught it. Like, it'd have to be some sustainable point of living because – but even then, I'm not fucking going fishing anytime soon. I'm fucked. Yeah, we've got to look after our bodies now. We're nearly 40. I know. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm, I wish I was 40 this year, actually. Turning 39 is fucking shit house. I mean, I was laughing really one of the confession songs is called Nearly 30. So that we're writing each other off for being nearly 30. So Yeah. Yeah. I was, it was the year before... It was that year that when it was recorded, it was that year I was 30 because Candace made me a 30. So do you remember the Woman's Day birthday cake book that every family had at the house? No, I don't think we had that one. <laughs> Man, every, every Bogan Australian family should have had this. Yeah, Jenny and right. Ray. Yeah, I know. Jenny and Ray should have upped the game and bought the Woman's Day uh, birthday cake book. But there was a racetrack. And it was like, had race, like fucking matchbox cars on the top. And buddy, well, Candace made it for my 30th to say 30. 
and she made it when she was drunk. So by the time I got there and she'd made it, it was like the most fucking crooked, bloody shit cake I've ever seen. But she made the effort for my 30th. So, and then, um, yeah, so that's eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely, it's Jack definitely. Webinar, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we we're 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 growing old gracefully, which is good. Yeah, and well, I think I think we're definitely. I definitely think the straight edge has helped. Oh yeah, totally. Look, the fact that there's not many of us that still exist. Everyone in Adelaide does most of them. That's the thing. Like Adelaide was one of those places where, like, we're all just were just legends there, and we weren't going to sell out. There's only been like. A couple of people that sold out, but most of the OGs are still around and still straight edge. Do you have any negativity towards sellouts? No, not really, because like everyone's got to do what they've got to do. If you're not happy with how you're living, you've got to work out how to how to find what you need to kind of be happier about your life. Whether that be drinking or whatever, I don't agree that drinking is going to fix your fucking problems. But if that's what you think's going to be fine, then fucking do it. Like, do what you think. It's like I was having this chat with Bubble. Bubble was fucking straight edge for God knows how long. Now he smokes weed. And he said it makes him not as depressed. He'd gone through a bad breakup and stuff like that. And I was like, man, I'm not going to be upset with you for doing this. But at the same time, he was saying that people that were really close to him that were friends, that are friends of mine and, Whatnot, don't even talk to him anymore. And I was like, I don't see the point of that because your friends are still your friends. Even they change a small part about them if they want to fucking smoke weed or whatever. Like all of our mates, like in Byron, I've still got as much time for them if they're fucking stoned or if they're drunk. Like it doesn't bother me. They're still my mates. But at the yeah. same time, I, I, I worry about friends that are drinking too much and stuff because it's, it's a toxic toxic cycle if you let it get the better of you i've seen it with family and friends and stuff especially on tour over the years i've seen i've seen it get people when fucking they're no longer around like Mm. they've 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 tried to fucking hide hide emotions and uh depression and whatnot with alcohol which has kind of been the downfall of them altogether and it's fucking but that's the thing. Like you're gonna, everyone's gonna. It's each to their own. Every person has every. I always think about. It. Man, I'm like full blown like positive person these days. Like I have. I used to be a fucking grumpy, negative dickhead. Now I'm like, if you've just got to keep positive, like it's all gonna get better. Like even if you're having a fucking shit day, tomorrow might be fucking fifty times better, and you might work out what you want to do with yourself mm. because. And like that's why with this thing, I might take it day by day. I keep saying everyone at work, take it day by day. When it, when when we'll, we'll be back before we know it, like just keep positive. Keep the oh, maybe we're going to be open tomorrow. Maybe we'll be open the next day. You got to keep thinking like that, otherwise you're just going to be sitting there just fucking doing your own head in. And that's that's kind of where where I probably was a few, like years ago, where yeah. I just was doing the same shit. I was doing touring and. I knew that a tour would come up and I was lazy and whatever. Now I just try and stay motivated and keep busy, which is yeah, all you can come up You're a fucking legend. You've, you've come, a long, come a long way from the days when we first met. So Yeah, I'm trying. I'm still, hopefully still, I have too a little bit. 
Well, I think we all kind of have in a way. Like you got to look at it like you're the like you were touring for so fucking long, and you realise that it wasn't for you seventeen times, and you quit seventeen times. It's unlucky that your brother and pig decide that it's okay to give you a job again. Um, but you decided like it wasn't for you and then now you're doing other stuff and you'll work out what's next and, and whatnot. It's like you think about it like everyone right now is everyone's as fucked as each other because we're all just on a different level of fuck. Like we've all lost something or all of our stuff's been put on hold. Your fucking your brother and all the boys like they can't tour. They don't know when they're going to be able to tour. Their biggest market is fucking the sickest in the world or their two biggest markets, which Europe and America, are the sickest of any places. And so who knows when they're going to be going back to there. They've got bloody the biggest tours of their lives booked and they don't know when when that's even happening. So And they've all got house loans and, like, I've got a house loan and we've all got stuff, like, massively at risk and massively that we've invested not only time but money into and we don't know when all this is going to stop. So we're all just at a different level of fucked right now, but it will get better. It has to. It will. Because we can't live for it like this forever. The one, the government can't afford us to live like this forever. Two, the world will start revolting against against the governments and stuff. and For being be stuck anarchy. inside. It'll be anarchy, man. Like the, the crazy thing is, is the Mad Max movies... This is, <laughs> this is a bit like a trip down. The Mad Max movies are about similar thing. Like the government got basically, they were fighting and then the wars and whatever and then it basically became a wasteland. There was what's left. Mad Max 1 is what's left of the police and what's left of the the, the governments and whatnot, like on, on its last legs. And then Mad Max 2 is when it becomes a wasteland where all the governments have folded the fucking wars, it's now like battle of the roads for the for the petrol and whatnot. And it's all it's similar kind of thing. That's what we'll could be living the Mad Max movie soon. Just fucking battling on the roads for petrol. Petrol petrol's cheaper than running up. That's right. Yeah, well not in this fucking town. It's still a dollar fifty. It was eighty something cents though. Eighty nine cents. Yeah. Yeah. And not not like we don't need to go anywhere. That's, that's true. <laughs> what right, what mate, else? Let's well. Do you want to wrap it up? You've you've done the timeline. Yeah. What what else in life? And I think that's that's kind of it. Yeah. Well, otherwise we'll just be talking about random tour stories that don't have too much relevance these days. But I think you covered nah, the, I think, the, the basics. I yeah. No, I think we talked about fucking enough music for one day. Yeah, that we sounds- the hour mark. That's fucking. That's the double the length that people like had to talk about. Yeah, but fucking. Well, people like bloody had kids climbing all over him and had to bloody go mow the lawns. People like baby- birthdays tomorrow. How old? Thirty-eight. He, yeah, he's thirty-eight. Fuck! I have to message him. Yeah, we're all oh, fucking legend. getting up there, isn't it crazy? Yeah, thirty-eight and back in a hardcore. Pete's forty-eight, yeah. thin at being into it. All right, well, we'll end it there. Cheers for chatting with us, mate. All good. See you, mate. Fucking legend.
Alright, that's the end of the episode. Cheers to Crafter for talking to me. Thanks for listening if you went all the way to the end. Uh, I'll be back again next week with some more Shinfo from another legend. Make sure you subscribe. Tell someone. Till next time, stay safe. Stay Shinfo.